Welcome to Scarlet Raven Gaming Podcast. We are your hosts, Veda and Taylor. In this podcast, we talk about board games of all kinds. Weigh anchor and make ready for this week's episode. Who? Where? How? These are the questions we seek to answer. Was it the baby in his diaper with a boom boom? No, in this case, it was more likely to be Colonel Mustard with a revolver in the conservatory? What is a conservatory? When was the last time someone was in a conservatory in a house? Anyways, this is Clue. Here with some basic game stats, uh, the number of players is 2 to 6, depending on the edition of the game that you might have. The length of game, according to the internet, is 10 to 60 minutes, which I think is pretty believable. The recommended age is 8+, and the genre of the game is like strategy, information gathering, deduction. And that now sounds pretty right. Taylor's going to talk to you about the... Uh, uh, round of gameplay so a round of gameplay in the beginning you take the dice that you have and you roll them and that determines how many squares you can move following that if you are able to move into a room or if you are in one of the special rooms that has a trap door in it you can move directly to another room once you're in a room you have a couple of different options at hand you can end your turn you can make a suggestion or and this is not dependent on you being in a room you can make an accusation the suggestion is uh is how how we gather information in the game and so the player would say something along the lines of i suggest that it was miss scarlet in the billiards room with the knife and play would go in the direction that it normally does to the left of the person making the suggestion and the first person who has one of the cards that they were dealt at the beginning of the game would show the card. So say say the person to my left had Miss Scarlet. They would show me Miss Scarlet and I would be able to mark her off on my list. The whole time we're going to keep Miss Scarlet hidden from everyone else. If that first player has nothing to show, then it continues around the circle until everybody has either had an opportunity and been unable to show or one of those three elements have been shown. Now, accusations are one of the more interesting bits of the game. This is where you do go through the same process you did of the suggestion of naming a person, place, and thing, the, the who, the where, and the what of the murder. But this time, nobody shows you anything. You go straight for the three cards hidden in the envelope. On revealing those only to yourself you either win the game or you are out of the game we normally like to play and allow play to continue if you are out of the game though you do still have the responsibility of showing the cards you have in your hand so you're not completely out you still get to show people and give them clues as they go through the process of solving the game but that is that's more or less what what any given round of gameplay will look like the more players you have, the longer the game takes, or the faster it goes. It, it really depends on, on how good everybody is at, at 
accumulating information and making inferences based on the movements of others. An important thing to remember now is that when you make that suggestion, the token of the character you're suggesting gets placed in the room with you. This can be frustrating for other players, so it's a sometimes it's a good thing to suggest somebody you know didn't do it just to, to move them away from the, the track. I think that all makes sense. I have a couple questions for you, Taylor. Shoot. Does this game have replayability? I would say it has a ton of replayability because... Every time, even if you have the exact same three cards in the envelope, you don't know that going in there and everyone else at the table is most likely going to have a different card in their hand. And so you're going to get information in a different order. If you're a different character, you're starting in a different place in the, the mansion that you are searching for clues. So yeah, a lot, a lot of replayability just from the, the unlimited kind of randomness that can be generated from it. Yeah, that's really important when we pick out board games is how replayable is it just because we want to be able to buy something that we're going to be able to use. Yeah, I don't want to spend 60 bucks on a a one hour. Uh, What's the optimum number of players? So more than two has been what I have found. So you want at least three people. Um, Four, four to five is probably hitting that optimum, that true optimization. Uh, with six feeling a little bit too too spread thin. What about two players makes you feel like it's not fun? Well, with two players, it there's not enough of that that questioning and that that probing nature of the game. You're kind of missing the uh, the vibe of it. If you think about the movie starring Tim Curry, that all of the interesting bits happen between multiple characters, and if it was just two people walking through the house asking questions it feels more like uh, you're the police not civilians working together to catch a murderer yeah that makes sense how much space would you say that you need for this game not a ton uh, a standard card table or, or anything where you could just get the game board on would be fine uh, some people if you don't want to hold your little pads where you take notes you might want a little bit extra space for putting those down but i mean in general you can hold that in your hand or right on your leg and it's not a big deal because you're most people just make check marks or X's. Some people have their little codes they write down for themselves. Well, and that is a good thing to point out. Is It's kind of important to be able to cover that up. And so you do need a little bit more space for that type of thing. But I still think a, a standard card table would be... Card table is more than enough. Plenty. Can you play the game outside? So, yeah, I would say this is a game that can definitely be played outside. I know that's something we like to do is if, if we're on vacation or we just want to go sit, we've got a nice little back porch, going to sit out there uh, and not having to worry about the wind blowing everything away. The, the plastic pieces are heavy enough that they don't move around too much. The board is, is a heavy cardboard. I wouldn't play in high wind, but mm-hmm. if it's just a little bit breezy, you should be okay. Nice. How many pieces does it have? Does it have a lot, a little... So the number of pieces is the board and then the player pieces. And then you have your little note cards that it comes with where I guess they're more like strips of paper, but will you just make your notes on? So I would say in terms of what some board games have, looking at you, Catan, very few pieces. <laughs> oh, don't forget about the like little, your weapon pieces. Oh, right. You do have all of the individual weapons. Those being metal actually probably makes it easier to play outside. Going back to your previous question. Yeah, yeah. But I would say you could even play the game without those. Those aren't essential to have. Sure, it makes it more fun. Yeah, it's, it's more interesting, but not ne- mandatory. How would you? How long would you say it takes to learn the game? To learn the game, I feel like if, however long that one round uh, 
discussion we just had was is about all the time you would need to get, to get the basics for, for most people maybe one one playthrough you should be pretty confident in about 10 to 15 minutes if everybody's kind of focused now if you're chit-chatting and getting snacks and doing all of that which we would never do that <laughs> during a game night it might take a little bit longer but sure. i would say it, you should you should be pretty comfortable with the rules well well within the first game yeah i would agree with that i sometimes catch on quickly and sometimes catch on slowly and i feel like this one was a pretty pretty quick catch on for me how long would you say that setup and takedown is it's actually one of the the faster games to set up and take down because of the limited number of pieces and the limited number of of cards that get passed out so i would say i don't know maybe 10 minutes from getting it out of the closet to being ready to play at uh and then the same to to get it put back up and that's pretty quick in terms of board games we've got some board games out there that are like oh my gosh well yeah you start talking about things like risk and Catan <laughs> and a lot of those a lot of the the more old school and a lot of the new board games just have a lot more setup involved uh so what are your general thoughts about the game gameplay aside all of that like is it fun do you like it do you hate it so my general thoughts on clue i I would say uh, it's a game i like very much i think it's it's easy to play it's easy to learn it can take you can really dig into the strategy a lot of a lot of different skills you can develop and it, it really does you get what is promised on the box you get to go solve a mystery you have to work together but there is that that little bit of competitive edge of of being the first being the fastest and i i find that to be very satisfying uh especially when you look at some of the other classic board games you know people will talk about monopoly and you start getting into the uh how, how do you end a friendship you play monopoly together clue doesn't really have that associated with it it's, it's always fun nobody really gets hurt feelings some of my general thoughts about the game is that I really like the whodunit nature of the game. Um, it feels very murder mystery-y, which is fun to me. I also like that it's kind of a gateway into other indie games. You know, it's not as mainstream, I would say. It's still a classic, but it kind of lends itself towards some of those other more indie games. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Kind of like uh, 1313 Dead End Drive or... One of my personal favorites, Betrayal, Betrayal at the House of the Hill, uh, both of which have have progressively more set up. They get a little bit more into those horror themes. Not so much 1313. That's more of a, a mousetrap version of Clue, but it, it's pretty fun and in that unique way. Whereas Betrayal at the House on the Hill is 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 much darker, is much grittier, with an even bigger house, which is fun to think about. But overall, I would say that I super like the game. It's a lot of fun to play. For sure. So big, big strategy segment here where we're going to talk about different ways you can use your understanding of the game that hopefully you'll pick up from this podcast to take your clue discovery to the next level. Something I'm a really big fan of is ensuring that I'm not letting other people see all of my cards. I want to have a couple of cards that I know that I never show. And I don't pick those going into it. It's just, what are, what are the recurring themes? What can I get away? Like I would, If I had a, a dagger and Colonel Mustard and I could get away with showing the dagger every time, I would rather show the dagger every time. Or Colonel Mustard. doesn't matter which one you pick. 
but always keeping as much information to yourself while trying to force out as much other information as possible. Another thing I see a lot of people do that is a a tactic I I am a, a pretty big fan of is using cards in your hand to fill in a blank. So once you've figured out what one thing is, keep suggesting something you know it's not and that you know no one can show you because everyone else at the table will see, oh, nobody showed him anything on that one or nobody showed her anything on that one. And it, it, be, it get, lets you get into that psychology of, of getting people looking for the wrong things. And that's a, that to me, that's a really interesting way of going through. So in, in that case, uh, going back to the dagger and Colonel Mustard, if I've been showing everybody the dagger, I might be suggesting that the person is Colonel Mustard because nobody's seen that. And that kind of lends that credence. So that's something that could legitimately be in the, uh, the envelope that contains the answers. Uh, so going with those is something I like a lot. And then kind of go, going from room to room as much as possible and making your way around the board that way. Not always the easiest thing to do, but getting into the corners first, it tends to be easier for most people. Most, I think, four, maybe all six uh, player characters start pretty close to one of those corner rooms, and that lets you go straight to the other side of the board if you go into there, uh, assuming nobody's uh, ripping you across the board with their suggestions. So getting in as many rooms as possible and kind of staying there until you can see your room card is something I like to do but doesn't always work out that well. Again, especially if people are, are suggesting you away from where you want to be. So definitely uh, having a game plan, but staying flexible, staying kind of nimble uh, mentally is going to be be key to, to being good at this game and excelling at it. Not not getting bogged down with, with too many details, understanding that it's, it's about gathering as much information as possible. And that should lead you on a pretty solid path to get where you want to go, which is... Um, into that winner's circle of one. It's a small circle. Well, and one thing that I like to do is pay attention to what the other people are getting cards from. Like, so if you said Colonel Mustard in the conservatory with the revolver, one of those three things, if a card was shown, is going to be something that was shown to that person. And so, like, keeping track of, okay, well, that person was clearly just shown something. What what do I think it was by, like, context clues? And what do I already have in my hand that can lend me to? Maybe I do have Colonel Mustard and the Conservatory, so it has to be the revolver. And that, that's a great point. If you have those, knowing that, being able to fill in that gap, as well as knowing that, oh, you know, Bill just showed Tim the Conservatory. Bill's already showed me the conservatory, so I know that's there. I know what's happening. Nobody else showed anything before that. So either Bill has a lot of the cards or Tim's on the right track and we got to mess with him and start pulling him around in different directions. Right, and another thing that I like to keep in mind is if I am, if I happen to be the person that is the murderer, then I just give up all hope of, of ever trying to get to anywhere and I just am dragged dragged around to all the different rooms and I kind of give in to that. Yeah, and that's something we probably should have talked about a little bit more. If if your uh, character that is in that envelope and everybody figures out, say you're playing as uh, Miss Scarlet and everybody realizes Miss Scarlet is the, the person who done it, Miss Scarlet's going to go visit a whole bunch of rooms 
all willy-nilly. And that's where taking advantage of the, those secret passages, those trap doors, is going to be an absolute have-to if you want to get anything done on your own agenda. Well, and taking advantage of the, well, we know it's not this room, but I can find out two other things. And I like to do, run through that sometimes is like, if I know that it's not the hall, then I'll say, I'll keep saying the hall over and over again so I can flush out some of those other things, especially as I'm going down my list. The big risk of that is if the person immediately to your left has the hall and they can just keep showing you the hall and shutting you down. Well, and I think I, I specifically mean in the instance where I have the hall. Gotcha. That's a, a good delineation to make, I think. Right. Some of the helpful tips that I like to use, especially with a lot of board games that have paper pieces, is I like to laminate the paper pieces. That way you aren't worrying about having to replace or buy new. And you can just use what you already have. So laminating those those sheets that you draw on for to figure out who is in that envelope is something I would suggest. I like to do that with a lot of my board games. Hey guys, if what you just heard sounds interesting, buy this game through the link in the show notes. If you like this episode, pass it to the left and make sure your friends hear about it. And check out our socials. Links for all that and more are in the show notes. Thanks guys.